when we started to put in the money, it was not all at the same time. So we were putting first some 300 pounds, then some other 200. We didn't put like the whole 2000 at the same time. And that was a moment when there was a, a situation where we actually needed more money because to launch a business, the idea my brother has, which was creating a website, creating an app, we need to employ money and time. And the money we, we thought it was enough, it was actually not really enough. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. And I bet you're exposed to investment risk right now. To reduce it, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and download the risk reduction checklist I've made specifically for you, my podcast listeners, based on the lessons I've learned from all my guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Jose Salazar. Jose, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock, Andrew. (laughs) All right. Well, let me introduce you to the audience. Jose Salazar is a B2B influencer marketing consultant who specializes in optimizing industry and thought leadership marketing through influencers and employee advocacy strategy. He is currently responsible for growing the U.S. business at Analytica with a mission to help businesses drive awareness, credibility, and trust across the globe. Jose, can you take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life? <laughs> yeah, sure, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for the intro. Um, and thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, it's really, I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. So a bit about myself. My name is Jose. I'm from originally from Spain, and I'm currently living in the in the UK, uh, working for a marketing firm. So yeah, it's um, I'm a passionate about marketing. Uh, I have spent, I would say, at least three years of my careers, on my career focus on on marketing, and yeah. So I think it kind of this job that I'm doing now is more done from my heart, I would say. It's like my passion. Mm. So I spent a couple, couple of years working in sales, my beginnings when I finished uni. And I also spent a year doing internships in marketing. So I think that was the time when actually I got that bit of that sense that you feel this is what I actually like. Mm. But my uni, my career, when I studied in uni, I did finance. It was all started actually back when I was a teenager and I had a conversation with my dad. He said, what do you want to study? I said, mm, I actually want to do like public administration. And my dad was saying, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do studying public administration? What job are you going to do with that? A public worker? And I said to my dad, I don't know. That's, that's actually what I like to do. And yeah, so he, he, my dad, is, he studied finance. Mm. He was a math teacher. And I think I got kind of his influence in, in the decision-making of why I went to, to study finance in uni. So, yeah, that was it, the mm. story. So that's my background in, in uni in Spain. Then I, I went to Romania for nine, nine months, sorry. And I studied there as well. I continued my business administration and finance studies. 
Uh, yeah, that, I could say that that was probably the best year, one of the best years of my life as a student. So my career continues uh, working in different industries. I started in the hospitality industry. I spent quite a long time, four, nearly four years working in, in the hospitality industry in different roles. I started uh, as a bartender. Then I moved up the ladder to the front office. Mm. From the front office, I went to the audit side, so the night night shifts, working right. shifts at night. Why I did that, it was because I had still in the back of my mind that my dad was, when I was a teenager, I was saying, you had to work in finance, you had to do like I did, you had to keep your career, don't move out of that, and you will get a job in finance. So when I was in the, in the hotel, I, was, I want to change to audit, I want to do night shifts which in a way was a bit of a, I would say a very difficult decision because I was working in the day, which is, is lovely. You wake up six in the morning, you go to the reception, you're welcoming guests during the day, and then at three in the afternoon, you're done. Go you, just, you just go home and it's, it's the day pass fantastic. Yeah. Then you, you get nine in the evening, 10 in the evening, you start to get tired, you go to bed, you sleep so well, the next day you're so energetic. So changing to the night, going to work at night, it was a tough decision. It was, it was not something I take it, take, took it slightly, yep. lightly. Um, I did it. I just had, again, those thoughts from back in the days from my dad that you, I got a lot of influence from my, from my father. Mm-hmm. So then I, I did that. I kind of say that I did that because it was something I wanted to go for it, 100%, yep. because... It was more of, more of a feeling that they've been having in, in if I don't work of what I study, yep. I'm not going to be successful. If I don't work and I do dedicate my career and my future into finance, I will fail or maybe I would not enjoy my life. And I always had that thought I want to be a top finance director, a top finance leader. Anyway, I went to audit, I spent years working at night. <laughs> It wasn't really like, like I thought what I thought. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. do a lot of numbers, a lot of correcting mistakes from finance, from the perception thing, and all of that. No, it wasn't like that. I actually had to deal with a lot of people at night, <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so from crunching the numbers to actually deal with drunk people, it was <laughs> quite of a big difference. Mm. Um, yeah. So I continued my career through. Different jobs. I study in London. I did a accounting. It's kind of a specialization in accounting in the UK, yep. where you it's better if you study that. If it, it will give you more opportunities if you if you study that. Mm. So it's called AAT. I studied that in college here, and from there it gave me the opportunity. Finally, after years working in hospitality as an auditor at night to move to a real day finance job. Mm-hmm. So that's how it happened. I finished the, the course. I applied jobs, bombard CV, my CV to different companies, and I started to work in a startup as an accountant, basically. Um, that was the moment that arrived finally. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, I got it. After years working at night, dealing with <laughs> a lot of different situations. I have so many stories. Some of them are, are difficult or they are funny. But yeah, 
I, mm. I made it and, and I started working in finance during the day for several years. I scaled up the ladder a little bit, yeah. became a financial controller and until literally, I mean, my current job I have is, is quite new. I mean, I just recently moved into to this job, to my current position, but I was working in finance well in, in, in this company. Mm. Um, okay, so you've been in the same company the whole that I've been the in, the same, in this, yeah. Okay. And exactly. May, so, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe you can just tell us, you know, I, I noticed that you're now B2B influencer marketing, which, yeah. I guess, you know, it just be, well, let take an example of someone like me. I'm a financial guy, many years in finance, and I have B2B, you know, my business, we sell our products and services to other businesses. You know, I also do a lot yeah. of kind of go out, you know, in public, but I'm just curious for myself and other people like me who are maybe professionals or, you know, got experience and they want to build some influence and that type of thing. From your experience or what, you, what you've learned, you know, what's one or two things that you think is something valuable that we could do or think about? Sure. So from my personal experience at the moment, I, on my personal experience online, let's see, in social media and, and marketing, I don't get myself a lot of exposure. Let's say I'm not, I'm posting, of course, every day. I share stories. I share a lot of uh, examples or maybe like business posts from my own company. Mm. I am personally yeah, getting gone into that level of you know of, of getting a high exposure or maybe engagement to social media. But what I learn and what I can share from experiences from influencers like top key influencers in different industries is that they actually started very like you. Like they started actually on a natural, very natural way. On their maybe they were having the jobs like I do. Mm. Uh, they have a passion for something. They have maybe a knowledge, a key knowledge of, of something that they believe can help other people. So they start basically from scratch online, sharing their experiences on a very personal way, in a very, I would say, unwin way of talking. Not even too professional. It doesn't mm. need to be, but at least they're sharing their knowledge. They're sharing their experiences on social media to other people for free. Basically, they are just literally making their information available to everyone. And with so I passion. believe that the key with passion, passion, exactly. So I think I think the, the success of these stories of influencers you see online, there are different types of influencers, of mm. course. Mm. There are fashion influencers, there are, of course, people who are already celebrities, they don't need, mm. they, yeah. they were already influencers even before all of this social media started. Mm. But the real influencers, that, the real, I mean, they are also real, the others, but let's say the, the influencers who started from scratch just by sharing their passions, could be a scientific, it could be you as well, because you, mm. you work in the finance industry, you, you spend years working in, in, in finance and investment. So you share your passions. You, you, you try to let other people know in your experiences and at the same time, your knowledge. So mm. what you now, what's your knowledge, what you learn every day, you share it online with others. And then you let other people as well get involved with you. So that's what I learned from key influencers that we are actually currently Great. working with. 
So knowledge and share your knowledge, share it with passion, but also share it in a personal way. That's what I'm hearing. Exactly, exactly. It's just literally, yeah, like you and I now, like talking yeah. and and yeah, sharing experiences, basically. This is all about this. It's just helping other people as well that might have maybe not the opportunity to, to have the knowledge at that yeah. moment in their lives to pick a little bit of, of someone. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you have information available everywhere online. But mm -hmm. it's, you go maybe outside to the street and you talk to people, yeah, or you talk to your parents, or you talk to your doctor, or you talk to whoever you, you had to talk. And maybe you don't have, or you feel that you need more information or you need you need things, more knowledge to know. So that's what you get into social media and you start researching for influencers, yeah? For Got people it. who actually may know something about, uh, let's, mm. let's get a dig into this. Now you type on Google, you type, what person knows a lot about this topic? And then Great. that person can teach you, you know, that person can really teach you. Great. Great advice. And I think the, the personal <laughs> aspect of it is a great one because I think people are sometimes afraid to share, you know, their personal side. So I think that's a good lesson for all of us and for the listeners out there. If you're going out there and you're trying to be, you know, an influencer, you're going to be best to be the influencer that people feel personally connected with. I watched the Netflix Correct. documentary called The uh, Last Chance You. And by the fifth or sixth episodes, I was like cheering for each one of these guys. I just love them and they're great. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I'm making a personal and they were revealing themselves personally, their struggles and all that. So exactly. great, exactly. great lesson. Great lesson. All right. Well, now, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, now it's yeah. time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, sure. So this actually all started about four years ago. I was, I was having a chat with some friends about investing yeah about what should we do i mean what do you guys do with your money yeah what's what do you do you where do you spend your money are you thinking in investing in something to get some gains in the future or what do you do with your savings so i get a lot of information from different friends some people invest in uh, pension funds some people invest in i don't know uh, betting online betting some people mm -hmm. invest in different things right but i actually didn't really know at that time where or how to do this, know how to use my money. So out of the blue, one day, I have a, my brother. I have a twin brother actually, but we are we're twins, but we are very different people. We born the same day, but we are not equally exactly the same people. But my brother, who is also living here in London, he actually introduced me an idea. Basically, the idea is called hoteling which actually is also on, on my profile where I've been spending three years of my life. So what, what's hoteling is, is my brother talked to me through this idea about four years ago. He wanted to be an entrepreneur, basically. He wanted to spend time and money and things in his brilliant idea. And he involved a little bit other people. He involved his friends. We were actually in the beginning of with this idea we were about 25 people. <laughs> so we met, we met like for coffees, we met for drinks in friend's house around London. And my brother was there showing us what he wanted to do, what was his idea. He wanted to 
start a startup, a business within the hospitality industry, which it was where we were actually working at the time, but online recruitment. Basically, he wanted to do something different than other online platforms that were back in the days. So we're talking about 2014, the end of 2014. And he said, yeah, I mean, I'm really sure this is going to work. This is, we are going to create an app. We're going to create a website. And this, this idea is going to smash the market. We are going to turn the market upside down with, within the hospitality recruitment. So he kind of, my brother has a personality that he's really good at speaking. And he's really good at convincing people in a way. <laughs> Back in the days, I was also a bit of enthusiast about his idea. I wanted to help him as well. And I thought, yeah, why not? I mean, let's, let's do something on the back of what we are actually doing. We have our current jobs, but I have also my spare time. Why not to spend it on this idea? I'm not paying a penny at the moment. And I am thinking that this could be successful. Right. So we started 25 people. And at the end, in about a year from 25 people, we were only four people in the table. <laughs> so from those four people, we had a meeting. And in that meeting was when my brother said, okay, we've been a year talking about this idea, but we actually had done nothing. <laughs> so I think we need to start thinking about money. So that was the moment when from those four people, we were left three only. <laughs> Because one of the guys, when my brother put on the table the business plan, one of our friends who was there talking about this idea and, and giving feedback to my brother and all that, he said, how much are we going to look at? And in a moment, my brother talked about the figures was when this guy said, okay, I'm out of this. <laughs> At the same, the same way, the previous 22 people left as well the idea of entrepreneurship because, you know, like it's not the same thing to say we are going to create a company, but you don't need to put a penny, but we are going to create a company. It's not just your effort, but you also need to put some money. Mm. So this, this is basically, we were left three of us and... At the end, we, we decided to go through, yeah, putting some money. I, I kind of the first three months, I spent about 2,000 pounds myself from my savings. My brother spent another 2,000 and our other business partner as well put some 2,000. So we put about 6,000 between all of us. And we decided to go one step ahead. So we went to creating a paying money to a website designer to create a website. We pay money to some social media, Boost, Facebook, all of that. And what happened is when we started to put in the money, it was not all at the same time. So we were putting first some 300 pounds, then some other 200. We didn't put like the, the whole 2000 at the same time. And that was a moment when there was a, a situation where we actually needed more money because to launch a business, the idea my brother has, which was creating a website, creating an app, make it running, 
properly and we need to employ money and time and the money we, we thought it was enough it was actually not really enough so we went to a loan with a bank with a startup loans company these are these type of firms that they lend you some money and in a very long term like you can pay back within three years but you pay back on your personal from your pocket, from your personal finances. It's not like a business loan where all the shareholders are actually owning the money and then the company maybe won't go into liquidation and whatever happens with the money, you might pay back, you might not, but it's not the same when it Mm. comes to your own personal finances. So we went through this loan. Um, I'm not going to talk about the money we we went through the loan, but it was actually, it was a some amount of money you know, mm. um, that we were hoping to to make it useful for the business. So this was my investment, basically. My investment started with, with a very small start amount to run cash flow in the beginning, and then with the big amount with the loan, which I actually nearly finished. I think I had just a couple of months <laughs> to pay that back, actually, at the moment, but I didn't want to pay the full, but... but you pay gradually, but yeah, I started mm. nearly about to finish today. But yeah, that was the beginning of all of this. It was in, in that at that times, I won't call it that the worst, my worst investment or like my worst idea of, of going into entrepreneurship. But why why I took that decision, not putting that risk you no know, on my life? Because at that time I actually believe on the project. I really believe in it. Mm. I was enjoying the process. I was actually enjoying it. I was, I really enjoyed going to, it was exciting. I was going to, with my brother, with my business partners, we were going to an office. So the problem with all of this entrepreneurship situation is that you put the money within three or three shareholders, the three people who are going to run the company. But to run a company, you need to, (laughs) you need to know how to run it first. And you need to know who is going to do what. Yep. So the important thing here was to make it the business happening in a way of all the decisions has to be agreed between the three, between the three partners, right? So the decision we're taking from all of us, we were not having at that time back in the days, the, I think we were not having the knowledge, I would say, of taking right decisions. And for example, to give examples, we went through a rental company, a rental office company. My brother decided that we needed to use an office space <laughs> for a company that actually were not even having any esteem or revenue. We were not yet having trading. We were not trading yet any, any monies back when we started. But the idea was, let's just do this great. Let's do this big. And we agreed, the three of us, that... Yeah, a rental company could be could be a good thing to for the image of the business. Yeah, so we are going to work with a rent in a rental office, and if we got clients, we're going to invite them to interviews in the office. If we need to hire people, all beautiful. It sounds like they'll be impressed. Yeah, it was exactly, yeah, and it was beautiful, but it it's obviously was costing some money. <laughs> it so was what, not afraid to do that. Like, when was the day? when you realized it wasn't going to work? So the day happened was when the business partners, my other two business partners, were not keen on continue. 
and myself as well. I mean, mm. later I also actually felt that we are losing money here, even if we have clients, because at the end we met some people, we met some people right. joining the platform. But the cash flow, it was a nightmare, no? So I, I realized at that moment, I was looking at the, the, at the figures and I realized we are going to need to put more money from our pocket to keep this business running. So I had enough with the loan. I knew mm. it was a big amount of money to finish the bank. I spoke to my business partner and then they told me, yeah, they, they, they were actually not very keen on, on continuing. That was the moment when, not doing I feel it, but when I saw the face of two of them, <laughs> then it was the same, the same feeling that I have. And I said, okay, so if we are the three of us with the same feeling, this is done, yeah. So tell and me the fun. lessons. Tell me the lessons that you learned from this. So I think the big takeaway I would say in lesson is to first, when you start entrepreneurship, like a, a business opportunity, when somebody put you a business opportunity in the table, whether it's your family member, whether it's your somebody who you know from, I don't know, whoever puts you a business opportunity to do an entrepreneurship project, always, always before putting the money or before going into a loan, check the details, check the forecast, do your research, go through whatever you need to go to make the decision. And also think about if you are, if your mind, if you are mentally ready to do that, if you are mentally ready. And it means if you are going to have the time, if you think you're going to be able to put up with the stress, mm. with fights, with anxiety and things with your, with your business partners, because one of the things I learned from this is it's also important not to lose time in, in getting into fights with partners, in business partners. Yep. It's and very it's, important. It's so true that in the startup environment, it's just very emotional, you know. Very emotional. Very Everything emotional. is so it's, ultimately it's a challenge to your idea or your management skill or, you know, whatever. And it can be tough. That's yeah. right. That's right. So keep your cool always. Keep your cool. Don't get, don't lose your time in, in, in damaging Mm. Uh, relationship and yourself just yep. keep it yep. cool say this is just money mm. life so, is much bigger than money so maybe i'll uh, share you know some of the things that i took away from your story i was just writing down a few things first one i i wrote down is don't be the only shareholder or don't be a, a major shareholder i think when you do a startup you want to make sure there's other sizable shareholders otherwise it all comes back to you or you and a couple of other people and it can be very very tough the second thing I wrote down the word sell, sell, you know, you got to sell. Business is about selling. <laughs> you you Sales <laughs> is the proof. And the third thing is I, I just wanted to go through, recently I went through all of my podcast interviews to identify the ones that were related to starting up a, you know, startup business. And I tried to identify what were the most common mistakes that they made. So I've got six of them. Would you like to hear them? All right. <laughs> so first, first mistake bad hiring decisions. Second mistake, poor management of time and people. Third mistake, ineffective teamwork and collaboration. And I'm just thinking about fourth mistake is kind of where I feel like I really, that's why I wrote down sell is because the fourth mistake is they waited too long to start selling. Yeah. And, you know, Correct. I would say out of the six, you know, that's the one really that it's the ultimate validation. So I think a, a big lesson that I take away is it reminds me that sell 
your product first before you get a desk, before you start a business, just sell. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And if you don't have something to sell, then go sell someone else's that's similar to yours. Yeah. Get some experience in it and think about, does this sell? So that's my thoughts. Anything right. you add to that? Definitely. I relate that. I relate that. And actually, we have started the business. Let's say, like you say, we started the house from the, how do you call it, from the ladder instead of, from sorry, from the top instead of from the ladder. So mm-hmm. we, we should have been more humble and, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's hard. You know, you get your dreams. And I, I want to ask yeah. you the next question, keeping in mind that there's people listening to this podcast that do have their dreams right now. They're excited. They've got an idea, you know but they're also kind of going down the same road as you were. And I'm going to want you to think about them now, as I ask you this question, based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? So if you are going through an entrepreneurship project with people and you are maybe stuck or you guys don't know what to do next, I think I would, one of the things I learned is you really need to put time and passion. It means that you, you can't get distracted. You need to focus on the idea. And like you, Andrew, mentioned, you need to sell. And one of the important things is avoid taking, making mistakes with money. Don't spend money unless you got something already, unless you got people supporting your business. So mm. start humble. But you need to spend time. You need to believe in what you want to do and mm-hmm. think about this is going to be my future job. So yep. that, that's probably the Great. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Very, very good question. So my number one goal probably is to get better at my fitness life <clears throat> because I, I used to do a lot of running. I was doing triathlon, swimming, but this COVID times has kind of paused a little bit all of these things that I was doing in the past. So one of the goals now is to get back on on track on how I was before COVID. Mm. And probably the the, the other goal on a professional level is continue growing what I'm doing, continue growing my career within within marketing industry, which is actually my, my passion, mm-hmm. as, as you know. So, uh, yeah, just keep keep track of what I'm doing, continue sharing my stories with people, continue helping others, basically. That's, mm-hmm. that's, what, I, that's what I like most, to help other people. Beautiful. And that's good advice for everybody. You know, there's two things there. First one, get your health. You know, COVID's been tough. I think what I've tried to do is get, you know, luckily in Bangkok, we never were had any, we had a brief curfew for a period of time, but generally you can go out. And so I just made it, I made it a habit of walking out my door every morning at 5 a.m. And so I do that every single day, whether I'm on a bicycle, whether I'm walking to the gym or going to yoga class, which we had, but it's recently been shut down for a bit. So that's good. And then, you know, helping people through your business is just another, you know, great thing that we all should be doing. So great. All right. Listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, to reduce risk in your life. So go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and download the risk reduction checklist and see how you measure up. 
As we conclude, Jose, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Just keep following your passions and yeah, stay healthy. Wake up early in the morning. It will help you. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.